Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Autism Stories. I'm your host, Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Autistic people are the true experts of the autistic experience, and Autism Stories is where we interview autistic people to learn from their stories, experiences, and get their advice. If you would like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We would also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review, as it will help others to learn about autism stories. I have many focused interests, but two things that would be high on that list are sports and entrepreneurship. That's why when I learned about Andrew Ackner and how he had combined those two interests in his life, I knew I needed to talk with him. I'm so glad Andrew can join me today to discuss the importance of autistics teaching other autistics to participate in sports and fitness. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Andrew, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Doug. I wanted to start off, Andrew, and learn where does your story in the autistic community begin? So it starts in 1990 when I was born. So a little bit of background for some of our younger people on the spectrum watching this, younger autistic people watching. Uh, 1990 was the same year Asperger syndrome entered the DSM-4 as a diagnosis. A lot of lack of knowledge about the spectrum back then. I wasn't diagnosed till I was nine. My mom suspected much earlier than that that I was on the spectrum, but a lot of arguing with doctors. They thought, he's too linguistically inclined because they just didn't know enough about the spectrum as a whole. But I was diagnosed at nine. A lot of challenges, a lot of successful outcomes throughout that time and even now today. But I'm here and I'm now a life coach and an athletic coach for people on the spectrum. Now, you mentioned um, medical diagnosis at nine years old. However, um, I read before that, when you were four years old, you started playing tennis and bowling. Yes. So as um, someone that has participated in sports, watched sports my entire life, I'm just wondering, are there any lessons you've learned from sports that have kind of helped you throughout your, your life? Yes, absolutely. As a lot of life lessons throughout, the ones that really stick to my mind more recently are control what you can control. Don't worry about the things you can't control. And also having patience and poise with everything you do. One of the first big times this clicked to me when I was in the process of growing up, I was already legally an adult, but growing up, for a lot of us is a process. My first job I was successful at, my first career was in the sales industry, in the fitness industry, which is definitely, sales is definitely not a typical career path those of us on the spectrum pursue. Very social, very nuanced. And how I applied that was, I remember my tennis coach always said, you know, take your time, as long as the ball doesn't bounce twice, you have all the time in the world. 
your opponent has to watch and wait to see what you're going to do. And time is moving faster for you when the ball is in your court than it's moving for them when they're watching. And it's the same thing in social interactions or if you're in sales interacting with a prospect. When they say something, they then have to wait to see what you're going to say. So get in position, think about what you're going to say, and just use poise when you're interacting with people. In 2016, you founded Autastic Athletes, which is an organization that provides coaching and training for autistic athletes by autistic athletes. Are there any ways you think autistic coaches or trainers can provide support to other autistics in participating in athletics that they might not get if the coaches were not autistic or neurotypical? Yes. By the way, my company is called Autastic Athletics. So the big thing is I relate to the challenges because I live the challenge. The same challenges a lot of my players are going through are challenges I'm still dealing with. Overcoming the need for understanding motor planning, motor skills, motor coordination, all of that. I wasn't a natural athlete at four years old. I'm still not a natural athlete to this day. It's all about understanding and being able to speak in the language that your students understand. And that's a language that is inherent. Being autistic is my natural language. So it definitely is an advantage comparing to people who are not on the spectrum. There's more of a learning curve, whereas it just naturally clicks for me what someone on the spectrum needs in instruction. So I mispronounced the name of your company. I did write down the correct name, but for some reason I was not reading what I typed correctly. It's not the hey, first time. No worries, no worries, man. It happens. <laughs> not the first time. Won't be the last. No, totally cool. Yeah, autistic athletics. So you started playing tennis at four years old, and you know I'm a big fan of tennis. And one of the aspects of tennis that you may need to be pretty good at is gross motor skills. So I'm wondering, how do you coach people that might have uh, differences in the area of gross motor skills that may make hitting the ball difficult or movement on the tennis court challenging? I'm going to give two parts to that answer. So there's, of course, I live it. So I know what it takes, but what's good What's sort of an advantage we have as people on the spectrum entering athletics is what it takes to learn motor skills and motor coordination. Lots of structure, lots of repetition, high repetition, and just being analytical about what you're doing, which all of those things in general is comforting for us. It just makes everything make sense. Everything's predictable. Part of it makes the learning curve easy. So what I often do with students is I explain, assuming they're ready to understand the explanation, I explain, okay, this is why we're doing this. It helps you, for example, it helps your volley. If I'm explaining how to do a volley, I'll explain all of the mechanics if they're inclined to want to know why we're doing what we're doing, which a lot of times students will be. And then 
it clicks because knowing the why is the hard part. And then we just get the reps in till they develop muscle memory. And then we move on to the next skill. But I wanted to also add a lot of this is a general experience for people who are on the spectrum, off the spectrum. So something else I was doing, I was the head varsity coach for Brandon High School in Ortonville, Michigan this past fall season. A lot of my players on the team, this was sort of a rebuild year for the program. I had one player who was a freshman made the team, and he's on the spectrum. He was one of my students prior to me coaching the team, and I was very proud of that. But I actually want to talk about a different player who's not on the spectrum that was newer to tennis. He is legally blind in one eye, which, of course, makes a challenge. He has a learning difference, just like people on the spectrum have learning differences in several ways. Depth perception was a challenge for this player. So what we worked on was reaction speed with this player and also compact swing so that once he sees the ball and he knows it's in his strike zone, he's ready to go. And it's the same thing. You adapt to what the student needs as an individual. Now, one autistic person that I I support has started to play tennis, but plays in a wheelchair because they have some physical challenges. Like many autistic people that might have like Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, fibromyalgia, you know, those types of things. So I'm I'm interested, um, have you supported those that play wheelchair tennis? Because from what I've seen from those that play wheelchair tennis, it looks so much more difficult to play than, you know, running around um, on on your two legs. Absolutely. From a coordination standpoint, you know, transitioning to wheeling the wheelchair and swinging a hold, gripping and swinging a racket, more power to anyone who picks up the game and deals with the challenges of playing it in a wheelchair. Because just from an EF standpoint, transitioning standpoint, you know, it's one thing to transition to running with the racket in your hand to making the swing, but you're also now adding the component of transitioning to holding the racket to not holding the racket. I imagine I haven't. I haven't watched wheelchair tennis, but I've always been wanting to look into that aspect of the game because that's always been fascinating to me, just all of the transitions. Yeah, I wanted to make that point because, you know, anyone can play tennis, even if, you know, like physically you can't run around. Like it it is a sport for literally like anyone potentially. Right. It just takes a lot of training and a lot of coaching. I always tell people who aren't tennis players, I always say, it's the easiest sport in the world to play, just the hardest sport in the world to play well. <laughs> Absolutely. So that's, yeah. You know, we were talking a little bit earlier about things that you've learned through sports in your life, kind of life lessons. And there's so many things that people learn from sports lessons from and benefits that they get. I was wondering, you know, one area that I think people get a lot of benefits from sports is that they're able to develop friendships and community. What's been your experience in this area as it relates to athletics? 
some of my deepest and most closest connections are people that I've sweat with, either in the gym, playing on the court. But when you compete, <laughs> there there's a lot to be said about being active with people. I actually play these tournaments in the downriver area of Metro Detroit in the summer. And I've known the guy who runs the tournaments since I was a teenager, because that's how long I've been playing the tournaments. And I'm looking to host some tournaments in the Ortonville, Michigan area through the Parks and Rec. And I was asking from a business standpoint his advice on how best to do that. And he was very supportive me advice on what to do and how to do it and the best practices to make it a successful event both uh, for the players for myself and for the local community and it's definitely good to know people for sure and to have a connection with people where you can come to them for advice so we've talked mostly about tennis today, but you did something really cool regarding bowling recently that I wanted to talk a little bit about. And that's you won a doubles bowling tournament, but you didn't just win the tournament with anyone. You won the doubles bowling tournament with your wife. I would love for my wife to participate in sports with me, but I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. So I'm just curious, what role do you see sports play in the relationship with your wife? Bowling is the glue that keeps everything functioning in our marriage because we love each other. We spend all our time together. Uh, you know, we spend so much time together. We enjoy each other's company. But bowling is the one thing we do together. We met in high school bowling for our varsity team. She was a year ahead of me in high school, so we didn't have any classes together. That's really how we got to know each other. We dated starting after high school. But bowling has been a big part of both our lives the whole time, and now it's a big part of our marriage. Definitely keeps us you know, having something to do together. We were talking a little bit earlier about your business, Autastic Athletes. For those that might want to learn more about what you do, how can they learn about it beyond this interview? Yeah, they can check out Autastic, www.autastic-athletics.com. So there's a dash in between www.autasticathletics.com. And check out the website. There's updates coming in the next couple months as I'm getting ready to expand the client base. I definitely want more students to teach tennis and bowling too. Bowling is something I'm starting out with in the next few months. Tennis I've been doing a few years. Bowling I'm starting out now. And we're just looking for more students to play together, overcome barriers in the gym, in our play, in our lives. I'm also working on Autastic Athletics' uh, YouTube channel. That's something I'm hoping to have going in the spring. So definitely stay tuned there. Check out the website and check it out again week by week because there's going to be more new stuff coming. I'm also working on apparel store. So anyone who's not in the Metro Detroit area but wants to support Autastic Athletics can purchase apparel. We have some pretty cool shirts with our Running Man logo, our tennis serving logo, and our bowling ball crashing through the pins logo. So definitely excited 
about where things are moving for the next year. So definitely check out the website and the YouTube channel will be embedded on the site once that's up and running. Andrew, I really appreciate your time today. And next time I'm in the Michigan area, maybe you can help me with my serve because it's not very good at all. We can definitely help, man. Thanks for having me, and I love being on. Thanks so much to Andrew for the conversation. To learn more about Andrew and our autistic athletes, check out the link in the podcast description of this episode. I love talking with Andrew about autistics, teaching other autistics, you know, because, you know, I learned a long uh, time ago that it's so beneficial when you can talk with others that speak the same language, have a similar identity, and essentially are part of the same culture as you are. It's so helpful. And that's why Autism Personal Coach has several fantastic autistic coaches that support our autistic clients in getting their needs met and desires fulfilled. If you're looking for coaching from another autistic person, you can always book a free call with me today to learn how Autism Personal Coach can connect you with one of our coaches. A link for the free call can be found in the podcast description of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Autism Stories, and if you did, if you could tell a friend, foe, or anyone you know about it so they could have the same enjoyable experience as you when listening to Autism Stories, it would be very much appreciated. On the next episode of Autism Stories, we will discuss how sensory stories can bring out the beauty of the natural world. Until next time, I'm Doug Bletcher of Autism Personal Coach. Talk to you then.